Well, I mean, one thing I really had to change originally, right, and I've been doing it for a while now, is when I had a home service business or a marketing business or my other businesses, I have quite a few now, I always went after the direct sale, right? It was like, hey, I know you know what this is. We're significantly better, and here's the reasons why. With this product and this system, Review Kangaroo, that had to change drastically because when I say, hey, we do reputation management, they're like, oh, that's cool. What exactly does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) So I had to pull back. I'm like, you know what? The first step is to teach people. Hi, my name is Vindya V. This is Art of the Extraordinary, the podcast for those of you who's ready to play a much bigger game and leave an extraordinary legacy behind. I'm glad you're here and it's time to make your quantum leap. Hey guys, how are we all doing? I hope you're doing great no matter where you're listening to this episode from. Now today I have a very, very special guest. His name is Josh Kelly. He's the co-founder of Review Kangaroo, the world's leading reputation management system. It is an automated SaaS business. For those of you who don't know what SaaS is, it's software as a service business that has helped generate countless reviews for businesses on places like Google, Yelp, Facebook, and more, as well as growing actual revenue for clients using that. And sometimes in the tens of millions of dollars. That's pretty impressive, right? So before he devoted his work full-time to Review Kangaroo, Josh had an extensive background in marketing, working at companies like Bonville International, Parker & Sons, Dial America, and eventually starting his own marketing firms, Diversified Marketing Group, which is also known as D&G, Inc., and Clover Marketing. He helped his own family business, a local heating, cooling, and plumbing company in Phoenix, to grow from $7 million in revenue to over $100 million in just 14 years. And he has been featured on stages with the Zig Ziglar Foundation, Dave Yoho, and EGIA, as well as major platforms like CBS, Fox, and NBC. Josh currently lives in Phoenix, but works across the world. So in this episode, he's going to share a lot of things from how he got started with Review Kangaroo and what kind of a part it plays in businesses' lives, because it's a very, very special service. Let's just jump into the episode and I will catch you afterwards. When I heard about your brand, I thought that was really interesting because I think we live in an era where everything and anybody is online and managing your reputation to the positive and the negative, I guess it plays a big part in all businesses. Well, one thing you mentioned is that you focus on service business. Is there a particular reason behind why just service businesses or what's the reason behind it? Yeah, no, there's a reason we specifically focus on service business. Number one, it's kind of my background. So I speak the language a little bit better. I have my family owns a you know $100 million home service business here in Phoenix. So I originally built this program really from not exaggerating my own business. It was not an accident. It wasn't this, you know, brilliant business idea it just ended up being a really good business idea. But because of the way we're set up, we tend to work with service based businesses because we always tie it back to a person. We get way better results by doing that. But if you're an e-commerce business, yeah, can we help you? Of course we can. Can we get a really good response rate? Yeah, we can. But we're really designed to help people who have a face to the business. So I don't know, that HVAC guy or that plumber, that dentist, right? You know who's affecting you. And when I make it about a person, you see their face, 
I get much better results. We get it up to a 15% response rate. I don't get a 15% response rate in like an e-commerce business. Not that we don't do a great job because we could get maybe 3 to 5% response rate, but I'm really trying to change people's entire lives and their, their businesses in a very drastic way. And we're set up more ideally for a service-based business. Well, I am really curious to know about the story behind how you came up with the brand. Uh, you just touched on it a little bit. So what was the inspiration behind it and what was that journey like? Yeah, you talking about the brand name specifically or the brand, brand name general? and the idea behind the business? Yeah, yeah. So the brand name, we talked about this a little bit before we hopped on. Um, there's nothing, uh, I wish there was a great story to it. I should probably at some <laughs> point make up a story or, or come up with something that sounds good. But uh, it literally was, uh, hey, we're going to focus on reviews, change people's lives. Runs with review. <laughs> and we should start making this long list of different things. We came up with maybe 150 names. And we started cutting them down. And Review Kangaroo just kept making the list somehow. <laughs> it wasn't our favorite in the beginning, but it just stuck. And by the end, you're like, you know what? It's Review Kangaroo. As far as well, how the business came about, it's actually pretty simple. I work in and own a business that's home service business. It really is a grudge business. So what I mean by a grudge business, we do plumbing, air conditioning, and electrical. Now, that industry is really specific where absolutely no one ever wants a plumber in their house they don't they don't like plumbers they don't like them in their house they're only dealing with them when oh crap i got water on the floor my toilet doesn't flush like my water is not hot coming out of my shower right it's only in bad situations right so because of that it's not something that's easy to get people excited about no one wakes up and goes it'll be really cool today some shiny pipes or <laughs> brand new water here right it just doesn't exist and because of that it's really easy to upset customers because you're walking into an already bad situation. It's really hard to get really amazing experience from. So we had this issue online that even though we did amazing service and we won, you know, like Torch Awards and BBB Awards and all these kinds of major awards, we got recognized by Congress for our customer service. It didn't really look that way online because everyone that dealt with us didn't want to deal with us. And we tried to hire people and buy systems to try it change that and actually have our actual reviews and our online reputation, our social proof actually reflect the service that we provide. And we couldn't find anything. It didn't really work. I mean, we were getting some like less than 1% response rate, which is just not enough to overtake and to really make a difference. So we really started, I, I literally got 50 of some of the largest companies I knew at the time across multiple industries. I locked them in a room. I said, Hey, we're all having this issue. How do we fix it? What would that look like? How can we build the perfect system? And we kind of mapped that out literally in the room. And then I started building afterwards. And what happened was Review Kangaroo. Well, I'm just curious to know that how did you know that this is going to work from a client's perspective? Because as you say, like if we get an electrician or a plumber for mm -hmm. something that is an emergency, you know, usually people expect you to just come in, fix it, get out, right? Yep. So how did you yep. know that your clients would be open to the idea of doing a review or testimonial, whichever the way that you guys do it? You know, the truth is I like to say like, oh, I knew for sure, right? And I had this solid system. I was 100% confident of it. I wasn't really. I knew no matter what was offered out in the market and what everyone was doing wasn't working. So it became a choice of, hey, we either do what everybody else is doing or we try something that might actually potentially work. And we created a really solid system behind it, right? But the truth is I didn't know that it would work 100%. I took the risk and then we tested it and changed and adjusted. 
the system now is nowhere near where the system was two years ago, right? We've grown and increased conversions and our review rates significantly. When we first started, we were like 3%, which is, by the way, you know, three times better than anyone else. Now it's 15%. So we're doing 15 times better than anyone else, which is obviously huge. And we do some other cool stuff too. But it's not like I knew it was going to work. I just knew what everyone was doing currently and what was being offered didn't work. So I decided to go take the chance and take the effort to try. Sometimes you trip over good ideas. Sometimes you have to work your way into it. This was kind of a combination of both. Like I knew what was going on and what everybody was doing wasn't effective. Let's try something else. Mm. Well, you are well known as a online reputation management expert. And you did touch on the percentage you saying that you see a 15% increase. And that is amazing. Just Tell us a little bit about how does that convert into, are you saying it converts into 15% more in revenue or sales? How does that actually link the reviews to the sales or the ROI of a business? Yeah. So what I was originally talking about is we get about 15% conversion rate for reviews. Meaning if you see, now it depends what you do. And the more personal it is, the higher percentage again. But our average client, if you were to see 100 customers, we'll get you 15 reviews online. That being said, it's actually the same number, which is kind of ironic, but our average client grows 15% in additional revenue the first six months on the program. Now, the reason that we do that is a few reasons, right? If I turn your Google reviews from 50 reviews with a 4.0 to 500 reviews in six months and a 4.8, you've instantaneously become more attractive when they're searching online, right? So you're getting a higher call volume. You're also creating a lot of content. So you're actually building the value of your website fairly significantly, right? You could actually be showing up significantly more. And you're helping your actual sales conversion too. You don't have to have that conversation of, hey, why are we better than this other company? There's hundreds of your customers already telling people why they should choose you. So our average client does grow about 15%. We've had ones that are way higher than that. We have a few that are a little bit lower than that, but our average is 15. And it's through call volume, conversion, SEO value. There's a lot of really cool aspects to it that actually drastically drive your business. Well, what do you see like when businesses come to you to work with you guys? What do you see are like some of the common mistakes either they have already made or they are making, you know, before they come and actually start working with you guys? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of common mistakes and not that we're not guilty of the same mistakes too. Everybody makes mistakes. The biggest issue we run into is, you know, this is really a new opportunity. It doesn't exist with any other company, period. There's companies that do reputation management, but not really. So it's not so much that they're making mistakes. It's more they don't know what's possible. And once you understand what's possible, it changes everything, right? Simple things like, you know, a lot of companies say they remarket and they kind of do. Sometimes they do like ads that follow people around for a few days, but they don't remarket by email. They don't remarket by text message. They don't cross sell. They don't actually have a system asking for referrals. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to businesses like our whole business is driven by referrals. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. How many referrals did you get last month? They're like, five. <laughs> well, that's not your whole business, right? Like, you don't actually have a system for that, do you? Like, if you're running 100 calls a month or seeing 100 customers, if you've gotten five referrals, you don't have a system for getting referrals. I can tell you. I can guarantee it. You know what I mean? You're not doing a job of it anyway, right? So it's not mistakes that they're necessarily making. Now, they can make mistakes, and there's some pretty blunt ones out there, like you know, arguing with people when they have a negative review. Or, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you could be doing wrong. But for the most part, it's really just not understanding what's possible 
and how much it really does affect your business. It's that invisible dollar, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you touch on it because I personally know businesses who don't realize what a review or a testimonial could get them because they are just so busy serving clients and making more sales, mm-hmm. but they're not really stretching that relationship to the best it could possibly could. And you're also touching on referrals. So you're saying like if a business is getting talking to like 100 customers and if they're getting about five referrals, that's probably referrals without even being proactive. So you're saying that if you're actually proactive and you've got a system behind it, you would go a long way. Uh, Five times more. Here's the crazy slash exciting thing, right? What you're doing is not any more than you're doing right now. Like you're just getting credit for it. So I can't tell you how many times you talk to companies and they're like, we have this amazing, you know, money back guarantee. And there's no one on their website. And they're not talking about it in person. They're not doing anything. They're right? like, do you do this money back guarantee with every customer? Yes, absolutely. Why don't you get credit for it? Social proof is the same way. Like you did an amazing service with this customer. Why don't you have them share it with the world? You're not doing any additional work. You're just getting credit for the work you're already doing and using that to drive a ton more business. I'm not talking like tens or twenties of dozens of calls. I'm not talking about hundreds. Sometimes it's thousands. Sometimes it's tens of thousands of additional customers by just getting credit for the great work you already do. Well, something that I also notice about you, Brian, is that you don't just talk about reviews and referrals, but you are also tying that to employee performance. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So a big piece of our program is really when you write reviews, crazy as it sounds, Let's say we write a review on ABC Company, right? And obviously, I'm making it up, but you never actually write a review on ABC Company. Now, obviously, it ends up on Google, on Yelp, on Facebook, on BBB, Cars.com, HealthGrade, wherever review sites are important to you about ABC Company. But throughout the entire process, we build a funnel on your website. It's about a person. So it's about one of your team members, about Steve at ABC Company, right? Now, when you do that, it changes the entire way the customers not only write reviews, but the value to them, too, right? They tend to storytell more, tend to be a lot more positive. You end up getting way more results. People are more willing to do things for people as opposed to the company in general. They don't actually care about your company. They care about the person that's out there you know, dealing business with them. Ultimately, that is your brand, whether you agree or disagree. It doesn't matter how well your website's built, you know, how well you answer the phone. If they don't like the person that they did business with, they don't like the company, right? And what we do is we use that psychology to actually drive not only reviews, but actual business. And here's the really cool about part about it, right? So if I change you from getting you know one to two reviews a month to getting 250 reviews a month, and it's on individual people, I'm actually giving you a live gauge on a daily basis on your actual team members. So hey, it's not ABC Company's great. It's Steve at ABC Company's great. Or hey, I had an issue with Steve at ABC Company. One of my team members said perfectly, he said, you know, everybody drives better when there's a cop behind them. And it's true, right? You just naturally, hey, there's a cop, you slow down your speed, you're paying more attention, you're being more cautious. We're going to be that cop form, right? Reaching out to your customers consistently, regardless of service, and taking care of them and asking for reviews, getting that feedback is a way for you to be that cop behind every single one of your team members and force them to be personally responsible for the customer service. So when you get that review, positive or negative, it's about them. When it's about them, they care more. And they give better customer service, and you get some amazing feedback. 
Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess that's crucial at this point because people don't deal with businesses without a face. They always sure. deal with a person. So I guess managing both sides of that relationship is really, really crucial. And it does play into a lot of the psychology of the people who's working in the company as well. Yeah. No, I mean, a perfect example, like I'm going to use you as an example, and this is just off the top of my head, right? But something that's really review driven would be like hotels, right? Hotels are super review driven. And if you went and stayed at a hotel and it was beautiful and it was nice and the rooms were amazing, but the person working on the front desk was a total jerk to you. Do you like that hotel? <laughs> no. No, you don't. And everything else is perfect. But at the same token, hey, you know what? Those rooms are okay. You know, it was an okay location, but that person at the front desk just bent over backwards and you loved him to death. Do you like the hotel? Yeah. Exactly. It's just the way people operate. You got to use that psychology to your advantage because here's the truth. It happens whether you want it to or not. So you might as well take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what happens if people have already got like bad reviews or negative reviews? Yeah, How do you manage that? That? Ha- that happens a lot. So part of getting feedback is sometimes you get negative feedback. It's part of the game. It is what it is. Obviously, you want to provide the best customer service possible so you don't get negative reviews. Now, with our system, we totally screen out negative reviews, so you'll never get a negative review again. But before that, so as weird as it sounds, we have two types of customers. And I'm not proud of this, but it is what it is. We have the customer that says, hey, I want to blow up my business, drastically change my results, get way more revenue, get way more volume, get better employees, get better recruiting. And that's the majority of our customers that want to take a good business and blow it up. And then we also have customers who have issues we'll say right and they get negative reviews all the time and they want to screen out negative reviews here's the truth i don't care who you are i don't care how connected you are it'd be hard to be more connected than us but maybe you are maybe you have that great connection and you're also on the board of google like us right and you're also on yelp sport like us uh, and you also have a direct integration with facebook right i don't care who you are good luck getting those negative reviews removed there's really no way to do it You could get one here or there taken off, but the truth is the only way to really succeed is to consistently bury negative reviews with positive ones and not a few, a ton of them. So it's just a process. If you're in that situation where you got a hundred reviews and you're a two and a half star, my first reaction is like, okay, we have a problem we need to fix. Clearly there's some sort of issue going on because that's a lot of people who don't like you and leaving a message about it and not a lot that do love you that are leaving messages about it. But that's certainly a longer process to fix than someone who has two reviews and are two and a half stars, right? Because I can blow up that two and a half really quick. The one who has 100, now I've got to get 500 to make a difference and actually drive business, right? So long answer, if you have negative reviews, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, try to make adjustments so you stop getting negative reviews. But the goal is just to absolutely bury them with positive consistently and over time you'd be surprised how much a difference it'll make to your business. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that I see a lot of businesses doing is that, one, they're not really actively asking for reviews. And what happens is that usually when people have had a bad experience, I think they're more likely to go online and talk about it and leave a review because they're just pissed, right? So for you to just counteract that, you're saying that we got to be actively doing that. It's also an indication, right? It's an indication of your product and the service that you have provided. So that's feedback. That's feedback for you to go and fix, not try to bury it down. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you're having a consistent problem with reviews, that means you have a consistent problem. What that is, you need to be able to identify and be able to fix because it's just, 
it doesn't matter how good you are. And yes, if you use a system like ours, yes, it's going to make a gigantic difference. But it's a basic flaw. If customers are unhappy with you, that's not good. <laughs> it's not sustainable. Eventually, that catches up to you, even if you're blowing up your business with us, right? It's still a problem that eventually rears its head, and there's no way around it. So I think that feedback is incredibly important, incredibly valuable. Obviously, Google, Yelp, all those think it's incredibly important and valuable. Fix the problem and then bury it with good ones once it's fixed. Tell us about the Review Kangaroo process. Like, what does that program involve? Like, what are the features in it? And because I, I can like feel all the people who are business owners in the audience just listening very carefully right now. So I want you to tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to go into a full-on pitch. I'm here just to help people. But essentially, how we do it is we have an automated system. By email, text message, social media, we have about 13 different ways of automatically helping clients ask for reviews to their customers. And what we do is we drive to a funnel that we actually build on the client's website, make it about a person like what we talked about, and we drive it out to third-party sites. So we're going to pre-screen the reviews. Hey, was this customer excited and happy with us, or did they have a bad experience? If they have a great experience, we're going to automatically drive them out to third-party sites. Specifically, Google, Yelp, Facebook. We have about I want to say 90 different review partners that we're actually directly integrated with. If they had a negative experience, what I do instead is I collect that customer's information, figure out exactly what happened, and send it directly to the management team saying, hey, this customer had an issue with this team member. Here's exactly what happened. Oh, by the way, this has happened to this team member three times the last week. Maybe this is really a problem. Maybe it's not just a team member, but it's the whole team, right? So we give actionable feedback on it too so you could actually improve your processes, your training. Maybe potentially let that person go if it's bad enough, right? And then use that social proof to actually drive business. We're not just going to ask for reviews, but we're going to actively cross-sell for you. We're going to actively ask for referrals. All the things that every company said they would love to do but just ends up never happening, we do for them. And make sure it's turnkey and there's not any issues and it happens every single time which will drastically help your business. Nice. So is there like particular types of industries that you work with or do you work with all industries? No, we don't work with all industries. We work with really service-based industries. So we kind of talked about before, I wouldn't necessarily work with an e-commerce business. We've had some e-commerce businesses that tried to and effectively sometimes talked us into doing business with them because even though it's not as effective, it's way more effective than anything else out there. But that's not really what we're designed for. We're designed for service-based businesses, someone where there's a face-to-face interaction in some way. So like a hotel is a good example, right? If you were a hotel or a motel and people checked in online and you never met anyone at the hotel, that's just not really what we're set up for. But if you're willing to you know, have it be about that person at the front desk or the maid or the concierge service or have that kind of connection with customers, that's where we thrive. So that could be a lot of different industries, but certainly not every industry. Just not because it doesn't work, but I want to change people's lives. I don't get excited. I don't wake up in the morning, you know, jump up and like, let's get a 5% response rate and slowly grow their business. <laughs> it's all about how do we drastically make massive movement in businesses today? And how do we not wait for it? And how do we, how do we grow them without them having to work in a significant way? Originally, I noticed that you come from a sales and um, marketing and advertising background. Yes. How did that convert into, one, yes, creating this brand, but also like what did you bring in and what were kind of some of the things that you had to stop doing when you were doing before? 
Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I've always told people this. Like, to me, there's two business schools that stand above all else. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to start your own business, you want to be a CEO, I actually think the number one business skill you could have is accounting. Someone who really knows the numbers, you could kind of figure out the rest. Number two is marketing. Like I tell this, like I always keep two mentors at all times and two mentees at all times. So I like helping people. I think it's important. And obviously I like being helped. But my general rule is like, when I'm talking to mentees anyway, is like forget fulfillment, forget uh, amazing customer experience, forget this really cool idea. None of that matters. Unless you have sales, sales always come first and then retention, amazing delivery, over delivering, changing people's lives are secondary, right? So a lot applied because I got really good at getting people into the funnel, into the system. And then I understood from my perspective, because originally I built this business to help my own business on what was important to business owners. And when I actually moved the needle, it wasn't just exciting, but I actually drove revenue. Because ultimately, you know, if I got you a ton more reviews and you were super excited about it, but, you know, a year from now, you were at the exact same revenue, is that really exciting to you? Does that really make a difference? I mean, I would argue not enough at least. So a lot of what I did transferred. Some of it, absolutely not, because I came from a much larger, like, branding-based marketing. You know, I did mass media. I did some crazy stuff that I still do, obviously, with my other businesses. But this was definitely a learning process when we first launched on how to sell a software business. Way less is transferable than you think it is. But the concepts are the same, right? So it was kind of all over the place. Some things really transferred well, some things didn't transfer at all, and I had to uh, scramble and figure them out. What is, like, say, off the top of your head, just, like, one thing that you actually had to consciously change or in how you approach running the business? Yeah, so, I mean, one thing I really had to change originally, right, and I've been doing it for a while now, is... When I had a home service business or a marketing business or my other businesses, I have quite a few now, I always went after the direct sale, right? It was like, hey, I know you know what this is. We're significantly better, and here's the reasons why. With this product and this system, Review Kangaroo, that had to change drastically because when I say, hey, we do reputation management, they're like, oh, that's cool. What exactly does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) So I had to pull back. I'm like, you know what? The first step is to teach people. Let them learn not only what reputation management is, but why it's important, how it can affect their business. So this business is way more based off case studies and experience than anything else. Like if you're a dentist, I'm not going to sell you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you 50 case studies with dentists that blew up their business and why. And it just changed the whole concept. Like the social proof is the same. You know, I used to purposely win awards and do things because it made me get authority, right? People trusted me because of that. This one, it was all about show and tell much more than the other ones because ultimately it was like, oh, yeah, reviews, that's awesome. I would like to have more reviews, but, you know, I mean, who cares? It's like, no, you should care. You should really care. And here's examples of what happens when you do care. So that, I would say, was the biggest learning experience for me. It went from a process where, at least for the most part, everybody knew what I was talking about. It was a conversation of why us as opposed to why at all. And it's beautiful because it's a huge opportunity. It's a new opportunity. It's a blue ocean, right, where everybody doesn't know what we're talking about and no competitors are doing it. So you could make a gigantic difference in your business. But 
I have to start by explaining like, what exactly do we do? Why is it important? How can it affect your business? Where, you know, if it's a plumbing business, everybody knows what plumbing is, right? No one knows what reputation management is until you've actually seen it, experienced it, tried it. I guess, uh, I guess you are touching a little bit on, you know, like what we call the awareness scale. So how aware are the clients of your products or service? So they could be problem aware, but not really solution aware, or they might not be product aware. So I guess you're saying that depending on where in the scale they are, you have to cater how you approach them and how you market to them. Agree that yeah, that's a hundred percent what it is. There's some people who understand it's a problem and they don't understand that there's solutions out there. That's certainly probably the majority. And there's also people who really don't even understand that reviews are important. And it's like, have you ever bought anything online ever? Like, <laughs> <you're> like <laughs> yeah, you do. You use reviews. Everyone does. You can't help it because it's forced in front of your face. If you don't think reviews affect your business, look around. You use it. I guarantee it. Everyone does, right? And I've had whole conversations with people who are like, oh, that's really cool. I love the product. I love the whole concept. Uh, but you know what? I don't know if reviews really drive my business that much. It's like, no, they don't right now because you don't have enough reviews. <laughs> because you don't look good online, right? But they could. <laughs> it would be like, uh, you know, you take it back, you know, 10 years. is like, I don't need to build a website. It's like, no, you need a website. <laughs> it's a way that people trust you, right? It gets you in the door. It gets you in conversations that you would never be in before. And without that, can you still get in conversations? Of course you can. Is it harder? Of course it is. Is it more expensive? Of course it is. Is it easier to close that job? It's way easier when you have other people backing you up and telling you that you're an amazing product than when you're trying to sell it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It is so funny because, yeah, there's a lot of businesses still don't understand, I guess, the big impact it could have when actually Mm -hmm. other people talk about your products and services and not you bragging about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you want to sell something and I don't care what you're selling, if you want to sell anything, it's always more valuable if someone else is saying how great you are than you. Because, of course, you're going to say, right, you need that impartial voice and the case study, the actual numbers behind to show how much you could grow your business, right? It doesn't matter what business you are. If you go from 10 reviews to 500 reviews, like I've literally had this happen. You know, some customers, when they first sign up, they go, what happens? So we're not getting any more negative reviews. What happens when we get like a thousand reviews and they're all five stars? It's like, yeah, you know, that'll happen. And here's what will happen. Someone will call you and they'll say, hey, why do you have so many positive reviews? And your answer <laughs> is, it's because we do a really amazing service. How can I help you? <laughs> like, like, like you just started a conversation that you wouldn't have had before. That's beautiful. That's the whole point of it, right? So it's, uh, you know, sometimes you can blow people's minds on the most basic, simple stuff. <laughs> it's a good problem to have, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would love for you to call and complain to me how everyone loves us. That's a good problem to have. One thing that you touched on several times is having case studies. Now, I'm just curious to know when you first got started with this brand, when obviously you didn't have a reputation on it and you didn't have the numbers behind it to back it up to say, okay, this is what we do. How did you go about building those case studies? In the beginning, obviously, it was a lot harder. I mean, we didn't have the thousands of clients that love us and promote us and share the results with us, right? We only have few, but we start with a lot of beta companies that I knew so when results started coming in, and here's the truth too, I'll be very clear about this. We were not as good day one as we are now. 
we were still better than everybody else, but we weren't getting an average 15% growth in their business, right? We we're getting three to five, which is exciting, but it's not as exciting, right? So we just essentially used our own system. Hey, every time we talk to one of our clients, we ask for reviews. We ask for social proof. We pushed it. Once we found that a customer was really happy with us or a client was really happy with us, we saw a camera crew. Say, hey, if you do us a favor, we really appreciate it. I'll go ahead and send a camera crew. Talk about how, be totally honest, be totally neutral. You talk about whatever you want. But I want you to talk about your experience with us and how it affected your business. And at first, it was slow going because we just didn't have that many people. And we weren't as successful and talented at getting reviews and social proof and asking for referrals and everything that we do now. So it was a slow process. But the truth is, you just have to start. The first one is our still most effective one. Because when it's gotten the most views, it's gotten the most traction, it's been out there the longest, it's purely because, you know, we asked. So many companies are afraid to ask for reviews. They're afraid to ask for social proof. They're afraid to ask for case studies. They're afraid to ask for those referrals because what happens if they didn't like you? And here's the thing. If they didn't like you, don't you want to know about that? Wouldn't you want to make changes? And if they loved you, which they should, don't you want them to tell the world? You know what I mean? It's taking that referral from a one-to-one to to a one-to-a-thousand, right? That drastically drives business. Well, one thing you touched on was about having a beta group. And I can feel like some of the people who's just getting started in business is in the audience is uh, the question, okay, so I would like to start a beta group uh, with my product, but what does that mean? Like for you to start a beta group, that means you have to offer them something for even to be the guinea pigs in the beginning. How Mm -hmm. did you go about doing that? Well, I offered a solution for something they had a problem with. So it all starts with the problem, right? You identify a problem, the problem I had, so I knew others were having it. And I attempted to create a solution. And it worked right from the beginning, but it didn't work as well as it was now. But there's a really specific way to get a beta group, right? Number one, it always helps if you have a relationship with them. At the time, I had a relationship with the vast majority of them. But there were some I didn't have a relationship. But, you know, I really wanted a car dealership in there. I really wanted a plastic surgeon in there. I really wanted a realtor in there. And I didn't have relationship with those people in those industries. So what I did is I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm creating this thing. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you 100% free, but with the caveat. If you're going to be doing this, number one, you have to be understanding that this won't be perfect from day one. It won't. And the understanding that when it's not perfect, it is your job, your literal job, because I'm giving it for free to give me feedback and help me improve it. And you just ask people. You'd be surprised how pliable people are to helping when it helps their business too, right? Now, all those big companies pay now. But and all of them stayed, every single one. We didn't have a single person that's not still a client, especially for the Bay, but when we have less than a one percent, you know, loss rate where our retention is pretty really, really, really good. But like those first few months, I could tell you we ran some serious issues. Like all of a sudden the text system would go down. All of a sudden the email would go down. <laughs> and then we get calls like, hey. I sent these out and no one got received. I was like, oh my gosh, all right. I'm going to scramble right now. We're going to figure it out tonight, right? And part of that beta is that you have to be willing to accept that. Now, they're also not paying for it. So there's a win to that, right? But they have the ability to be a part of it. It's not like just they came up with problems. They came up with ideas. And if it was a good idea, we did it, period. If it made sense for people and it got better results, then we would do it. So they got to shape systems for their specific business, what they wanted. So there's a lot of value in that. As long as you get the right kind of partners, which it's important to get the right kind of partners. But I think anytime you're launching a new business, the feedback in the beginning is so important, no matter what kind of business it is. So you have to set yourself up to get honest feedback quickly 
without losing clients. So a beta test is a great way to do it. What about businesses who provide services that actually need some involvement from whoever is in the beta group? So, for an example, it requires some time investment from them, not just, you know, like be able to just test the product on the business without them getting involved. How do you do that? When we first started, there was a time investment with us, right? So now our whole system is fully automated, 100%. So generally, we're going to tie into their, you know, CRM, customer relation management system, or field management system, depending on what industry you're in. And we do everything fully automated. You don't have to do a thing, right? But in the beginning, it wasn't that way. It was... Hey, we have these really great templates for emails. Can everybody send these out once a day? <laughs> like, you know what I mean, like, let's try and see. It's like, hey, by the way, can you put your own spin on these? And then we'll share results and see which one's more effective, right? Like, it was a time investment. They were, we were all figuring it out together. Now, I was providing the system for it and the tools to make it work, but they absolutely had time investment. They didn't have a financial investment, but they had time investment. And they invested the time because they had the issue and they also had to figure it out. So if you find people that have the issue, if you're in the right business, it's going to be most people. That's not really an issue, right? The people will buy into that pretty quickly and be willing to do that for you. So when they don't have a financial investment, there is an argument about is that, well, when you haven't put down the money, that means there is no commitment. So they can Correct. easily not do it or do it half-heartedly or how do you manage that? Yeah. So th- there was a time where we actually had people do, you know, we tried the full-on software model where it's like, Hey, get a 30-day free trial. And what we found is on the 30-day free trial, you know, our system is fully automated, but it takes like a half hour to set up. You got to take pictures of your team members, put them in there, right? You have to approve the messages. And we would get this free for 30 days, and so many people we'd be pestering. We couldn't get them to put in pictures, right? So we decided, <laughs> you know what? It's not that it's not a good marketing ploy. It's just we couldn't actually get people to use it. If they can't use it, it doesn't work. What are the odds of that, right? Um, so we ran into that ourselves, right? Now we always charge, and that's not significant. It's very inexpensive, you know, as low as $139 a month, but we always charge. So there's is some sort of commitment. However, when you're doing a beta and you're first starting, right, it's really about screening those customers. If they have the pain point, they'll do it. You have to explain that's a beta. You can't just let them like hop in and hope it goes well, because it's not even just that you're going to make mistakes. We still make mistakes way less frequently than before, but there's still occasionally issues like literally two weeks from now, we have a scheduled down day and we will warn everyone. We've already started warning people. We will warn them by email. We warn them by text. We'll do it over social media. We'll do a push on our own system, right? Everybody's going to know about this by guarantee. You know, that day I'm going to get like 200, 300 calls like, hey, the system's not working. What's going on? It's like, oh, man, it's not for 12 hours, guys. We warned everybody, right? We're doing a huge update. But that happens. It's part of the game, right? So when you're first starting, you just really have to spell out what the expectations are. And you should do that the whole process, too, though, right? Expectations are the key to success. If you set expectations too high, it's hard to fulfill. If you set it too low, it's hard to get people excited. So you have to spell out what you need from them and what's expected of them and what they should expect of you. Cool. Nice. That is definitely a golden nugget for all of our people listening in. Josh, I want to switch gears to talking a little bit about your family business, because from what I know, you took it from like close to 7 million to making 
80 plus million dollars. Uh, Tell yeah, us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it was a home service business. It's plumbing, HVAC, just here in Phoenix, just residential service. We literally went from about seven million, six and a half, to last year we did just over a hundred million. Wow. Uh, went from 35 team members to over 500. And there's a lot of secrets that that took about 13 years, by the way. I mean, that sounds slow for some people. You know, if you're in the software business, that's really slow. In the service business, that's a really fast, like really, really ridiculously fast. And it's just a lot of moving parts. And we didn't have, you know, capital. It was all, you know, using our own money. So we couldn't like blow it up and we did no acquisitions. That was all organic growth. So there's a lot to that. But yeah, we grew a business pretty significantly. A big portion of it is a social proof. But the truth is we did a lot of things really well. It was not one single thing that was like, hey, if you do this, your business will blow up. That's just not how people are. Uh, that's not how businesses work, right? It's we did some of the really basic things really efficiently. I always tell people this, right? So a football analogy, right? American football. It's never the special teams that wins the Super Bowl. It's not the flashy plays. It's not the Hail Mary it's not the reverses. It's the blocking and tackling. The team that blocks and tackles the best consistently win more games because it's the basic, simple stuff that happens every play, every time, multiple times that actually drive and make a difference in your business, in football, in life, right? So it's the small, achievable goals that makes you win. So with my home service business, we really just got good in the blocking and tackling. Simple things like you know, making the most out of every single customer. And what I mean is make the most, I mean presenting options, cross-selling, answering the phones effectively, making sure we're reaching out to your customers, building a long-term nurture so we stayed in front of customers, keeping customers excited, getting reviews, getting referrals, you know, selling maintenance agreements so we could lock, build a fence around customers. All the really basic stuff. It's not like we had this brilliant, amazing marketing plan. We had a good marketing plan. Don't get me wrong. It drove a lot of business. But the marketing plan was secondary because once I got a lot of value from each customer and every customer loved me, marketing got way easier. Way, way easier because it wasn't us talking about it anymore. Everything else was supported by our actual customer base. That is an amazing story. And I love your analogy about blocking and tackling because I think we just get caught up in very complicated things when there are really, really simple things that we're not really even focusing on. Oh, absolutely. I really do have a, like a mantra. And you can ask any of my team members and any of the businesses, I will not launch something unless it's simple. If I can't explain it to you in a minute, then I don't want to do it. Because if I can't explain it, I can't have my team members buy into it. If I can't get the team members buy into it, then it doesn't work. Ideas are cheap. It's execution that makes a difference. So simplicity is the basics to a successful business. If you were to look at every successful business across the world, I don't think there's a single one that doesn't have a simple executable idea behind it. And that could be multiple small executable ideas. That could be one gigantic executable idea. But it's, uh, you know, Apple, it's not the amazing, crazy software that makes the difference. It's the executable idea behind it, which is let's make phones really simple and intuitive, which makes them simple to use. And that's why Apple's successful. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to reiterate a point that you touched on before, which is around the marketing side of things, because I think we, or what I've heard and what I believe is as well, you need to spend a lot more time marketing and advertising if you've got a poor product or you haven't well thought about it or you haven't focused too much on your clients, you haven't really talked to them and listened to them more. But if you've got a product that speaks for itself and the results, you would have to spend a lot less time marketing. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Now that's easier said than done sometimes, right? Like <laughs> it depends on competition, depends on the market you're in. It there's a lot of uh, layers to that conversation. But yeah, if you could transform people's lives, it's easy for them to use. That's pretty easy to sell. It's pretty easy to talk about. If you're one of a thousand companies doing it, it's no longer presenting a new opportunity. It's you know, why am I better than other people? And by doing that, you're involving other people in the conversation. It's much harder to market. That's just the basics of business. It's a blue ocean versus red ocean, right? Blue ocean means there's no one else there. You have wide open spaces. Red ocean, it's red because all the fish are eating each other. There's blood in the water. It's much harder to be successful in a red ocean compared to a blue ocean. Well, one thing that you touched before was about, you know, the fact that you have usually have like two mentors and also two mentees at a given mm-hmm. time. Tell us a little bit about the type of mentors that you have. And for anybody who is interested in finding mentors in the business world, like, are there like things to look out for? And like, what are like some ways to go about doing it? Yeah, I mean, the first things first is don't be afraid to ask. Some people will tell you never to ask for a mentor. If you ask me, it's not going to bother me. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I don't think anyone should ever be afraid to ask for a sale. And I think having a mentor is like having a sale, right? You have to convince them to do business with you in a way. So that's step one is don't be afraid to ask. Sometimes you have to pay for people. Sometimes people will do it just because they like you. It all depends. In general, my mentees, I generally have one paid mentee where they're literally paying me to have a conversation with them once a week. I do one for someone I just know I could really make a big difference and not just in their business, but in their life. And like they're at a point where I could drastically improve them, right? It's not like this project where they're not going to listen to me. And, you know, it's two years later, they've grown 5%. I I talk to people, I'm willing to work with people only that I know I could, you know, night and day within a few months, their business. As far as my mentors, right? I keep two mentors at all time. And it's kind of an unusual thought process, but I keep one long-term mentor so long-term mentor means a year, ideally. Right now, I'm, you know, I work with Russell Brunson. I've worked with Billy Jean. I've worked with all kinds of people as mentors, um, some fairly big names. And I keep a short-term mentor. And my short-term mentor is always a skill mentor. So long-term mentor is someone I have a lot of respect for. I really appreciate. All my mentors, obviously, I have a lot of respect for. But I really appreciate and I want to be like them. My short-term mentor is maybe I don't want to be like them, but they have a really amazing skill that I want to learn that skill. So, you know, if that's Billy Jean, it's how to do social media marketing. That makes sense to me. You know, I could learn that in four or five months and just, you know, inhale everything he sends my way and adjust. And I don't need to have him as a mentor for five years. That's just me. Some people want to do that. I don't do that. I try to learn quickly. I try to succeed fast. I try to fail fast, meaning like, the only thing I think you really make a mistake in business is if you don't learn fast. A lot of people will tell you is if you fail, but you learn, that's not a failure. I would make the argument that it absolutely can be a failure if you don't do it fast. Day one doesn't bother me. That's something that can happen. It's an anomaly. Something happens two days in a row. Now I'm getting worried. It happens three days in a row. It's a trend and I'm making a change, right? So I always think short and long term like that. So mentors, just ask for people, look for someone that you really want to be like, and look for someone that you really want to learn a skill from. But you could be want to be like them, you could not, it doesn't matter necessarily. You're impressed and love something that they do that's really amazing. 
I think that's a good mentor too. potentially just understand what you're asking for. Well, when you do want to find a mentor and you know who you want to work with, you know, we're usually talking about people who are like really, really busy, who have already got maybe multiple businesses happening. Mm -hmm. How would you in that case go about offering them something that is a benefit to them as well? Because I think that's a better transaction if you can make that happen. But you are not at that level, but there's something that you can give. Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest way to do it is to buy them, to pay for it, right? And lots of people are open to that thought process. But not everyone can afford to pay people, right? Some people that you really would want to learn from would be very expensive, and maybe you're not in the financial position to do that. But generally what I do is I play into the ego. So I have conversations with people, and the first thing I'm talking about them, I care about them, I want to learn about what they're doing. I think you're amazing. I want to learn from you, learn from the best. Here's what I would like to do. Would you be willing to do a call with me just once a week? I'm not going to take much of your time, half hour to an hour, where I talk about issues that I think you would be amazing at fixing. And when my business blows up because of your help, I'd love to tell others and share, spread the word. And, and truthfully, it would just mean the world to me if you would take that little bit of time and do that for me. You'd be surprised how open people could be to if you really come from a positive place and you really are looking for honest, helpful help, right? And you're not trying to use them to drive your business. You're trying to use them to learn. Use is probably the wrong word, but you get what I'm saying. People are fairly open to that. Now, there's some people that are going to be so big, the only options to pay for them. And then maybe if you can't afford them, they're not the ideal mentor. You don't have to have the greatest person in the world. If you're talking about building funnels, right? Russell Brunson is the greatest person in the world for building funnels. I'm in his two comic club. We absolutely have him as a mentor, right? But there are other people that are 80% as good as Russell Brunson that you could get for free by stroking their ego, by talking to them, by having genuine conversations with them. And sometimes that's good enough. You could still learn a lot from that person. Being 80% as good as Russell Brunson is more than enough. It's way better than I am. It's way better than I'll ever be, right? Because I do lots of things. Some people really focus. So I think people's the biggest issue is they're just afraid to ask. Ask. That is such a golden advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. And the way that you ask, I can feel like people go, oh, I don't want to ask that. But that's the truth. Like you're really asking for help. And, you know, when that person changes your life, there's no reason why you can't tell the world about it. For sure. Absolutely. It helps them too long term, right? But when you take mentees, right? And I keep to it all times because I think that's just important. The position I'm in life, I'm now. I've had enough success and I've had a ton of help from other people. I think it's only right that that return it, right? I don't do it because it's going to grow my business. Trust me, that's not a good use of my time for that. I do it because it's the right thing to do. Really good people have that same mentality and they will take people to help mentor. They will. And if they're a person that would never take a mentor, guess what? That's probably not someone that you want. People that would never take a mentee is probably not someone you would want as a mentor because they just don't have the right mindset of helping and servicing other people anyway. Ultimately, you know, you get to a certain point in your life where money is not your driver anymore. You know, if you chase money, you become its slave. If you let money chase you, it becomes your slave. It took me a long time to actually understand what that means. I've heard it many times, but it took me a long time to understand what that means. I'm in a position now where money's become my slave. And really successful people, they're really successful people. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're the richest person in the world, but success is defined in different ways. They do think that way. And they are willing to help because that's more important. 
Josh, what would you say is the best advice you've been given in building your business? Yeah, it really depends. Like that's a pretty open, broad question, right? There's a lot of things you could do, right? There's a lot of things you could do wrong. My suggestion is actually pretty simple. I don't do complicated things. We already talked about that, right? That's um, don't be afraid to fail fast. I do not dabble in anything I do. Everybody plays this how much, how little game with everything in their life. You don't have enough bandwidth to be amazing at everything. But I do have enough bandwidth to understand what I'm bad at very, very quickly. I can't tell you how many times I talk to entrepreneurs and they're starting their business or they're halfway through or they're just starting to make money or it doesn't matter what the situation is. And they're afraid to pull the trigger. Just pull Mm. it. And once they pull the trigger, they're afraid to react. If things aren't working, don't keep doing the same thing. Make adjustments quick. Even if you don't know what direction to go, if you know what you're doing isn't working, change it. It can't be worse than what you're doing because it's already not working. Run. Sprint, right? Like people do that all the time. It's like, yeah, no, this I did this really big email campaign and I got no response. I'm going to just keep sending it out and see what happens. It's like, but you got no response. Yeah, but I don't know what I would do differently. Yeah, it's like change, <laughs> change anything. Like anything will work, right? Like anything is better than what you just did because you know for a fact that one doesn't work, right? That's funny, but it happens constantly with entrepreneurs. And here's the truth. Like I've done that too. I'm not proud to say it, but everybody falls in that trap every once in a while. It's about not falling into it often. Well, I think that's actually a symptom of the way that we have been brought up in the school system. Well, you're not allowed to fail. Yeah, you oh, should get the best grades and you should be the best. And if not, there's something wrong with you, right? So why would you fail all of a sudden? Uh, failing is amazing. You learn so fast when you fail. Like the biggest enemy of great is good, right? Good is good enough. And then you just stop. That's worse than failing. Because when you get good, you settle. Failing, you make adjustments pretty quickly, hopefully. So I'm totally okay with failing. I've failed way more than I've succeeded. I've just made adjustments quickly. So I succeeded over time. It's like gambling, right? If you keep making changes, eventually you start winning. It's just a numbers game. It happens no matter what. Just like a casino, no matter what, if you play long enough, you will lose. It's just a matter of time. Once you start thinking your business that way, way more effective. Mm. Well, what would you say is the worst advice you've been given? The worst advice I've been given? Wow. You know what? I don't know if I've ever been asked that before. That's an interesting (laughs) one. The worst advice I've ever been given. This one's kind of more of a personal thing, I guess, but it's not necessarily advice, but it's a mindset. I've been told many times that, you know, when I first started, especially now, not so much, but that it couldn't be done, that I wasn't enough, that it wasn't a good enough idea. And maybe in the beginning, it wasn't a good enough idea, but ideas don't start fully flushed. So I think the worst advice I've ever been given is that something's not possible. Because the truth is, if you work hard enough, long enough, smart enough, and you care enough, that's a big part of it too. You have to care enough. Almost anything's possible. If you could go back to the beginning of your journey, what would you change about how you did things? Yeah, so I've been asked that question a few times though. So I'm <laughs> familiar with this one. You know, a lot of people say, no, I wouldn't change anything because I love where I'm at, right? And yes, I love where I'm at. And, and because of that, I wouldn't go back and change things because it made me who I am and I've learned so much, right? But when I first started, I lived with more fear than I did now. And I was less authentic to myself. If I could go back now and be who I was or who I am now and just 
be more accepting of myself and my capabilities and what my strong suits are and where my weaknesses are. I've always known them. I've just tried to overcome them. But here's the truth. Sometimes I have to hire to overcome those. Like, I am never going to be that attention to detail person. I would be an absolutely horrible accountant. I could tell you right now, like, if I was put in charge of your books, I know numbers. Don't get me wrong. But, man, your business is in trouble. <laughs> it just is. That's, that's not my skill set, right? And I think if I had to go back, I would make decisions like that much faster, understanding who I am, understanding what I want to accomplish, where I want to be, and my personality. My personality shines much more than it used to because I was worried about how other people thought about me and how that would affect my business or my livelihood or me in general. I don't worry about that now. That would be a personal thing. If we're talking pure business, like what would I do differently? I would take more risks. I am a risk taker by design. It's who I am, but I would learn faster. I would take more risk. I would do more crazy things. I would make more adjustments and I would try and learn faster than what I'm doing now. Because when I started really learning and accepting to fail fast is when my personal and my business really started growing at exponential rates. Well, going back to the one that you touched on, which was related to personal growth and being accepting of yourself, do you have any advice for anybody who wants to do that? Because I think all entrepreneurs sooner or later realize the fastest they understand themselves more and understand the strengths and weaknesses, the fastest their business is going to grow or change direction and go wherever they need to. So do you have any advice for anyone who wants to do that faster? Yeah. So I'll give you an example, right? This is just my personal growth, right? Right after college, I worked for ESPN. And ESPN, I had to wear a suit and tie every day, which was a cool job. Uh, had some cool benefits. We don't have to go into the details of that. But when I switched from ESPN to Parker and Sons, my home service business, I decided, you know what? I'm not wearing a suit and tie every day. I'm just going to wear dress pants, a button-up, and some dress shoes, right? And then when I started my marketing business, I said, you know what? I don't need to wear dress pants anymore. And then when I started, like each business, I've got more casual, right? Now I am who I am. Like I wear a collared shirt every day, but I wear sneakers. I could speak up in front of 10,000 people. I've done it before. And I go up there and I'm not even a button up. I'm in a collared shirt, sneakers, and jeans because that's who I am. Now, if you're that suit and tie person, that's where you feel comfortable and you're doing it for you. That's beautiful. Good for you. That's awesome. That's That wasn't who I was. And over time, I learned... Like with each new position, I felt more accomplished and I felt more comfortable being myself. And if I would have started where I am now, I know for a fact things would have gone much faster, without a doubt. Because when you're an authentic self, people gravitate to that. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily advice or not, right? But just understand who you are and don't worry about what other people think. Because the people you're trying to please, some of them are never going to be able to please. And why do you care? And the people that are going to love you, they don't love you because of the things you do. They love you because of who you are. And just accept that too. Mm. I was weird and deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love deep because I think uh, <laughs> that's where you have real insights. I don't think I've ever talked about that before. There you go. That's the first. <laughs> well, okay. Last question that I ask all guests this question. Having yeah. been through this journey up until now, what is one thing you've learned about yourself? One thing I learned about myself, I've learned a lot about myself over the years, not just through business, but in life, right? I've learned, what have I learned about myself above all others? There's a lot. So I'm trying to take it down to one thing. I would say I've learned there's things I'm very good at 
and I've learned there's things I'm never going to be good at, and I have to hire for those things. I learned a long time ago that I'm a pretty good leader. I'm a good salesperson. I'm a good marketing person. I'm not that attention to detail person. It took me a long time to really understand that. Copywriting? Yeah, I could write copy. Spreadsheet building? Nope. That's just not <laughs> not going to happen effectively, right? What would it take me? I Can I build a really beautiful and effective spreadsheet? For sure. It's going to take me 10 hours, though. <laughs> you know I mean? like, that's just not a good use of my time. So I learned to identify myself more effectively. And I think that's a fluid thing. I don't think I'm going to be the same person today as I am five years from now. People change, and you have to be dynamic, and you have to be okay with that. But you still have core values, right? You are who you are at the core, and everything around it changes. So I just learned that you know I'm not great at everything. I don't have to be great at everything. And I learned my why. My why is uh, very important to me, like learning what actually drives me. Uh, for the longest time, I thought it was success, and it was money, and it was you know that ego and that having other people respect and love me, right? It's not that anymore. I don't think it ever has. I just didn't know it. It's more about helping people. Like So my why is pretty simple. It's, I want to give people the ability to do things that they can never do without me. And I don't do anything in life that doesn't apply to that. Nice. I love it. Josh, it had been a great chat. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. Now, people who want to get in touch with you, get to know about Review Kangaroo, tell us how they can do that. So you can kind of tell a little bit about me. I'm an open book already, right? Um, I talk about <laughs> anything you ask, more or less. Uh, really just everything. I think it's good in this situation. If someone needs help, I'll give you my personal contact information. So you could email me specifically. It's Josh at reviewkangaroo.com, R-E-V-U, kangaroo.com. Or you could call in the office at 602-456-8832. If you want to learn how to drastically improve your business using social proof and online reviews, we have that conversation. If you just need advice and you're moving into a software business or home service business, don't hesitate to reach out. I can help you. I have amazing team members that can help you too. I think it's important to help people. So don't be afraid to ask, right? Awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. It was lovely having you on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, there you go, folks. That is our episode for today. I hope you got lots out of it, as always. Make sure that you go and check out the show notes because I have, as always, put down all the key points that we've talked about. So even if you didn't take notes, there you go. You can go and check it out. As always, if you did like this episode, just hit a like or share with anyone who you think this could be valuable. And until I meet you next time in the next episode, keep at it in your extraordinary journey.